0: Welcome to this latest edition of The Real Deal Podcast. I'm your host, the Real Gerald Quinn, on this 19th of July, 2022. I uh, hope everybody out there is staying cool. hope everybody out there is enjoying their summer. This is like officially kind of like the halftime of summer. When you think about it, at the Major League Baseball All-Star break, uh, tomorrow where you had the ESPYs, you know, chance to get caught up on... Yeah, your Netflix documentaries your books if you're reading on vacation what have you hopefully get the kids out the house for summer camp you can just get you know get some relaxation time especially you know if you're you are married because you know some kid free time but this is that part of summer it's kind of a little bit of a dead part of summer but is it really is it really because we have a we have a busy program I had I, there was stuff that I had to leave off the docket in terms of what's going on um to be honest with you <laughs> but that's just the way our society is right now it never stops um and especially even with with the, with the sports uh there are no seemingly no off seasons but we begin uh we begin with lebron james um lebron james went, went returned back went back to the drew league this over this past weekend you saw him as he uh you know had 42 points and 16 rebounds uh he hadn't who played about what 10 years ago? 2011 was the last time he, he went. That was during the lockout. Remember, that was like that was during the lockout. That's when you had a bunch of guys kind of like barnstorming and playing. I mean, I think Kobe, um, I think Kobe did the Drew League that, that season as well with James Harden and, uh, and what have you. So it had been over a decade since LeBron had been in the Drew League. Uh, again, everything LeBron does is strategic. Like everything, there's nothing he doesn't do, nothing he doesn't say that doesn't come without thought or some type of uh, strategy in regards to it. So he comes he's in the Drew League on Saturday. He comes out with the shop on Friday. The shop drops on um, on Friday afternoon. So that, like you know, basically we LeBron was in the sports news cycle for you know for the better part of the weekend for the entire weekend even right now to be honest with you especially and and with what's going on with the los angeles lakers so lebron is a master at staying um in in you know in in our minds and having us you know talk about him and doing content on him that's you know he does that as well as any athlete in the world to be perfectly honest with you and again listen you can say what you want about you know should, be, he, should he, allow him, you know, uh, gravitating towards attention, which it clearly was. But I, I just think that, you know, LeBron's at a stage in his career where I, I really believe you gave him the acid test, the truth serum, not the acid test. I, that's a, the wrong uh, phrase I wanted to use. You gave him the truth serum, gave him a, 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 the, the best lie detector test on earth and asked him, you know, does he think he's going to win a championship? The answer probably would be no so he had to take he has to take wins wherever he can get them to be honest with you last year it would have been him winning the scoring title uh finishing all nba third team as a you know in year 19 which is you know unheard of um playing you know almost averaging 30 points a game playing at all you know all-star level, you know all-star captain again and deservedly deservedly so getting voted having the most all-star votes. so he has to take these small wins um, especially considering the fact that he's partially responsible for the Laker mess in terms of regards to what's going on with, with Russell Westbrook right now and what transpired with Russell Westbrook over the course of last this past season. Like he's partially responsible for that. I give the Lakers, the front, front organization, uh, number one responsibility for that because they didn't have to sign him um, in spite of what LeBron wanted. They could have told LeBron, no, we're not. We're going to go in a different direction, but that's neither – That is a Warrior under under the bridge at this standpoint. But LeBron has to take these wins um, any which way. And now, of course, coming up in the season, regardless of what happens, um, even if if somehow Kyrie Irving does get on the team and is traded for it, they're not a championship contender. So, you know, the big win for LeBron would be this season, passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to become the all-time greatest scorer in NBA history so that like that's where that is where he is right now he just became a billionaire he you know continues his business he, he can, you know he has his son his sons I should say because you know the younger he has a younger son who doesn't get as much attention who might end up being the better out of the two sons to be honest with you I could easily see uh you know Bryce could end up being better than the James than Bonnie James don't be surprised by that we have another situation with like uh Serena and Venus Williams um so he has to take these wins wherever he can get them um and so i i you know initially i thought oh this is a attention grab but you know what hey man live your best life like it, it go out there and, and by the way the, the most important one of the most important parts of this is there are some fans out there who probably you know couldn't wouldn't wouldn't be able to see lebron james play at you know at the stable center because of how expensive those tickets are those t- liquor tickets are some of the most expensive tickets in the NBA. Who was a, who were able to see him in that middle school gym? So you know, good for LeBron from that standpoint. You put on the show. Uh, you know, is a middle school gym, not only seated like could seat like a thousand, end up seating uh, end up having like twenty five hundred people there. The people basically were on there were basically on the court in some sense. So you had that going on uh, with LeBron James. He he says he's one hundred percent healthy. I think that's another part of this that we have to realize. He just he wanted you to see, like, hey, I still, I still could do this at a high level. You know, it's against lower competition. There are some pros there that play. These are guys that, that are, you know some. Yeah, there the, are the Rose in there. These are some guys that are, that are in the some pros that are either undrafted or are in the league, or in the league right now who are just who are not who are lesser names as far as notoriety. So it's not like he's playing against uh, you know pickup guys on you know, off the street. Like no, these guys can play, but they're not. They're not. You know, this is not top tier talent. You know how these leagues go: rocket league, Drew League, some of these leagues across the country. There, there are guys who are career pros in summer leagues, who are summer, who I would call summer pro, uh, summer league professionals. That that's their NBA. The Drew League, the Record League, that is their NBA. I witnessed it myself personally in the in, in when I used to visit, in you know, when I used to go visit Indiana during the summertime, I've got Sean Kemp played in one of those leagues where it's like a semi-pro, it's like a pro, semi-pro league. And uh, those guys take those, and they, by the way, those guys, those guys, LeBron's just there, you know, just putting on the show, doing some stuff, you know, touring, working, kind of doing some stuff, working on some stuff that he's, uh, new moves and stuff like that. It's, it's practice to him. It's not even practice. It's, just, it's like a workout to him. There are guys there that take it. That's like Game Seven of their NBA Finals. That there, I've seen it up close and personal how serious these guys can take it. So yeah, you might see LeBron and DeMar DeRozan who can make it look easy because they're at at that level to where they can make the games look easy and make it seem like they're not playing hard, which they're not. In essence, they're not they're not going all out. But those other guys those non-star those non-star players they're playing hard uh trust me i've seen i've seen i've seen these guys go just a thousand beyond a thousand up and, uh, playing against especially especially playing against the likes of a lebron or Demar martha and some other nba stars who who, who who used to play in these events uh you you will see a guy you know like i said you you will see you know back in the day kevin durant playing these games james Harden, guys of that of that of that nature Um. Around the NBA, so speaking of James Harden, James Harden. Now this deal has still not. This deal is still not official, but all and all reports ind- indicate that indicates that he's going to take a pay cut, that could be up a, a pay uh, at least a fifteen million dollar pay cut. Now, that has allowed the Sixers to have a very good offseason. They signed PJ Tucker deandre mountain and daniel house they lost danny green which is not that big of a deal wouldn't you replace him with those three players harden seemingly is refocused um been in the gym uh claims you know is seems to be in the right place mentally um says he needs to get healthy that he wasn't right last year physically he physically wasn't right last year still um and almost average to a triple double, he did a, he did an interview with Yahoo over the weekend or, or this past or right before the weekend, and you know of course he had to promote again when you do interviews with these guys you always you always have to allow them to promote their products because you want to talk about a new wine that he, start, that he started that he's starting that's a, an affordable wine Merlot whatever but that's fine but that, you know that is what it is so he's going to take a pay cut right. And the question is, there are some questions around the league about why would he take a pay cut? Like, this is, like, not normal for a guy. Like, there, you would think that, hey, if the Sixers were not going to give him super max money, that there was at least one team that he decided to become a free agent and not opt in, um, become – I mean, he decided to become a free agent and um, – Test the market that, that there would at least be one team, but that could that of course was not the case. Um he chose to stay with the Sixers and says that he is committed, you know, to winning a championship. And to, right now, you know, is saying all the right things. Uh, as I look up his current contract status. Um, okay, so yeah, so he has a um uh, It's so a two-year. It is a two-year. So he is he is a right now. So he is a. He basically signs a one-plus-one, and a, he has a player option uh, for both years. He has a two is a two-year, sixty-eight million-dollar contract for the Sixers. The annual salary is going to be thirty-four million dollars. Uh, so year one, this year, will be thirty-two million. Year two, will be thirty five million and he can't be traded until there's a trade restriction he can't be traded until december of this year 2022 of course he and um of course he has a player option it's, it's a one plus one in essence he could become a free agent after next year we'll see what happens with that but again he allowed um he allowed the sixers to um, you know he allowed the sixers Anyway, this is the preliminary offer. This I, this is, was agreed. to said July eighth was a agreed point. I, nothing's official, but this is like a preliminary offer. But again, he declined in, in the forty seven million dollars option that he could have made for he could have made forty seven million dollars this year. So he basically again he took a pay cut from that standpoint and basically in, in essence allowed the Sixers to make different make moves to um, sign other players and also bet on himself. Um. Because he's playing for another contract. He wants a, don't, no mistake, like James Harden has a ton of money. He's made a, a ton of money his, in terms of his career earnings. He's made, you know, Adidas. He, James Harden is not hurting for money. But he, don't, don't, let's not kid ourselves. He wants another big contract. Looking at his career earnings here. Uh, he's had a career earnings of $268 million. With this contract, it's going to be over $300 million. But, again, that doesn't count like uh endorsements and what have you so this uh, he is playing and again you, you're gonna have three future hall of famers that i'm gonna mention on his podcast three guys who are that were in the top 75 well no two of them were in the top 75 but three guys that are going to the hall of fame that will, are playing for contracts in the future are playing for some future playing for future contracts this year um so you know the question is you know is he, is he getting paid under the table why would he do this from a standpoint uh from a financial standpoint um listen he here's what i'll say i'll, I'll somewhat give him the benefit of the doubt from, from this standpoint james Arden has had a rough like two years okay he let's go back to the bubble in twenty twenty, no. Let's go back to twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen, you have a chance. You have an opportunity to beat Golden State without Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant gets hurt. I believe game five, they lose that game. Then they go home and lose game six. Into this happened in twenty nineteen. He's of course it was a no show. Put up some numbers, but again came up small. Then he. Gets Chris Paul shipped out of town for Russell Westbrook, which was which will go down as one of the just dumbest, ass, most idiotic trades of all time, considering where those where the careers of those guys have went. Chris Paul's just been all NBA ever since and leading teams to the finals and leading teams to the playoffs every year, while Russell Westbrook is where he's at in his career right now. Um, so. He's terrible. He's again. He was bad against the Lakers in that in that Western Conference semifinal in twenty twenty. Okay, last year, uh, again, that year in twenty twenty one. Excuse me, in twenty twenty. Uh, also, he forces his way out of Houston, and and he forces his way out of Houston. Uh, that same that very same year. Goes his way out of Houston, goes to Brooklyn. Brooklyn gives it all these picks. We know where Brooklyn stands right now. Harden ends up getting pulled in a hamstring in game one of the Eastern Conference semifinals last year. And physically, seemingly hasn't been right since and hasn't played well since. So he kind of needs to rehabilitate his immediate reputation uh, in order to get another long term contract. And again, until he comes up big in the playoffs, we are. He's going to be known as Mr. Regular Season. Until he comes up big in the postseason, and again, he does not have to be the guy anymore. Like that, look like is you know he has to be just a clear number two on a team uh, on a team that could possibly compete for a championship, and that that has major question marks on whether or not he could be a clear number two. We'll see. Listen, all this sounds nice right now. And if you want to give him credit for giving Philly, you know, a, a discount, and them getting players, okay, cool. Go out there, go out there, play 70, 75 games, whatever, and seventy-five, seventy to seventy-five games, and go out there and and, and, and do it in the playoffs, perform because that's all that matters. Like none of this, none of this makes any difference if you don't. If he goes out there in April. And, and, and coughs up and has another putrid playoff performance. We'll be talking about having the same conversation about James Harden that we've had over the last four or five years. Yeah, great in the regular season, terrible in the playoffs, but this is a step in the right direction. It was actually big for the Philadelphia franchise, and I, to be honest with you, I think his, his performance had, got, had reached a level to where I don't think Philadelphia wasn't even going to give him that money. That's what that's my thinking of it. I think that he... I, I Listen, I think that he... His representation probably read the market and probably said, "You know what? I don't want to do. I just from my image standpoint, I don't want to do another stop. I don't want another. I don't want to go to another team. Uh, I want to. I want. I don't want to go to another team. I want another. I want another big contract. The only way I can get another big contract is by doing it in Philadelphia. Either they will pay me, or somebody else will pay me on based on my performance. So, in a, in essence, he's betting on himself, and he also puts the Philadelphia Sixers in a much much better spot." Um, moving forward, especially in, in the immediate future. Uh, DeAndre Aiden stays in Phoenix, uh, one of the quickest matching of a salary of a, of a salary offer sheet that you'll ever see, uh, Phoenix, uh, excuse me, Indiana signed on Friday, or it might have been Thursday, getting these days mixed up, uh, signed a uh, signed DeAndre into to a, to an offer sheet. Four years, $133 million. Phoenix did not waste any time and match the offer sheet, which, by all intents and purposes, they absolutely had to match the offer sheet. They could not allow DeAndre Aiden to walk for nothing. They couldn't do it. You can't, like, you, he's still an asset. He's still a tradable asset. Now, you can't be traded until uh, next, until, you uh, can't be traded until, like, until January um and then he has a sign off on the on, on a particular trade but he's still but he's still property i shouldn't say property shouldn't say that he's still under contract with the phoenix Suns. um they still have one of the better teams in the western conference they'll still be a contender I, you know they're not a favorite i wouldn't put them as a favorite but they still you know they this was something that just had to happen with the phoenix you cannot allow this guy to walk for nothing uh now as far as what this does with the kevin durant situation obviously makes it harder in the immediate future for them to to get kevin durant but who knows the way it's going right now kevin durant could be available to the phoenix suns say come the all-star break around around the trade deadline next year so i'm not going to say that kevin durant to phoenix is dead i would say is on hold right for, for the immediate future but more importantly for phoenix they had to make. They had to. This was this was an absolute no brainer. Phoenix could have actually saved themselves a lot of headache and maybe some money had they signed him before last season. Period. Like they, you know, they messed around all day. Here, this they clearly misgaged his value in the marketplace in, the, in terms of the marketplace. Not by not thinking. Remember, folks. All it takes is one one team to feel to feel like you're worth a certain amount of money. That's all it takes. It doesn't take – you don't need 5, 10, 12, 5, 10, 15 teams. All you need is one team to say, hey, we think you're a max player. And clearly, the Indian Pacers were in a position where, again, have a hard time drawing free agents. They're about to lose. They they want to move Miles Turner. So it made perfect sense for them to uh, to to make that offer sheet to uh DeAndre uh to DeAndre Aiden. But again, I, I think that this does not kill the Kevin Durant trade to Phoenix um long term, but just in the immediate future, it definitely could c- curtails that, pushes that back for in terms of immediate in terms of the immediate future. Uh, Russell Westbrook and his agent, of course, uh, his agent part ways. Um which, but you know what this tells me? This tells me that Westbrook doesn't have everybody in Westbrook's circle or people that he listens to listens to or listen to are not are not yes men. That's what that tells me because he clearly had his agent now. His agent claims that he was going to advise Westbrook to stay in Los Angeles with the Lakers and make the best out of the possible out of this possible situation. So why that makes it you say to yourself well why would he want to stay in la because why would why would he why would russell westbrook want to stay in a place that doesn't want him right clearly the lakers want to trade russell westbrook LeBron james wants russell westbrook out That's not even a question the reason why if you're russell westbrook that you don't want to get moved again is whoever he gets moved to right Chances are that team is going to buy him out. Agents, NBA agents, don't, that's like a, a, a scarlet letter for an NBA agent with his client. Because once you get bought out, it seems like you, you, your value in the league plummets and you are like a spare part. And clearly, this guy, um, that, I think that's the name of his agent. Clearly, these, they, he and Russell Westbrook had a close relationship. He had been his agent his entire career, all 14 years of his career. Got Russell paid, you know, they made a lot of money together. Every time Russell wanted to, went out in a particular situation, God, he was able to accommodate Russell Westbrook from that standpoint in terms of getting him out of, whether it was out of Oklahoma City, out of Houston, out of Washington. I have to side with the agent because what the agent, what the agent is saying makes perfect sense. If you're Russell Westbrook, if you go out there this year, let's say he doesn't he, – he isn't traded, which is, is distinctly it – is, it is, I mean, everybody talks about Kyrie Irving possibly not getting moved before the season starts. I, you know, it's a strong possibility that Russell Westbrook will be on the Lakers at the beginning of the season. There's a very much a possibility. I shouldn't say strong possibility, but a possibility. That possibility does exist. It's not an automatic that he will be moved because listen, there's just the market out there is just not there for him. And his agent knows that. His agent knows that better than any of us. That's what they do. That's their job to understand their market, the market value of their of their client, respective client. So if Westbrook stays with the Lakers and somehow can salvage this season let's say the lakers make the playoffs let's say the lakers are not title contenders but let's say he goes out there plays relatively well the lakers make a playoff run to like the second round even get eliminated in the first round by somebody that's clearly better at least Westbrook's a free agent after this year at least if you're a russell westbrook agent you can say hey despite the fact that you can spin it and these these agents are are the ultimate spin doctors. Hey, Russell, you know, committed to this team. He helped them get to the playoffs. There's still some gas left in the tank. Blah blah blah. He's not going to get another another max contract. We know those days are over. But he will get. He probably will get a. He probably could play himself into a, another contract. To kind of like uh, take him into the sunset of his the twilight of his career, he probably could pay, he probably could you know play himself into like a two year twenty five million two year thirty million dollar contract somewhere in that range. That's what his agent's thinking. That's what, and that's what that's what that's what Tad is thinking. But if, if you go the route of you're traded and get bought out, which was good, which, which by the way, is going to happen. Nobody wants Russell Westbrook. That's the, that, that is the overall writing theme of this. No one in the NBA wants Russell Westbrook without comment without either compensation or a scenario where he gets bought out. Nobody wants him on their, on their team. Period. That's, that, that is the big, that is, the big pit that, that that's where we're at with, with in regards to what to Russell Westbrook. You don't want to around with your young players and we already know based off last season, based off his his uh season ending uh exit interview that he's not committed to winning from a standpoint of he's not gonna do the things that that, that it takes that it takes uh to win in regards to doing the little things, the the dirty work, he's not gonna do that. So if you're a veteran team, you're like, no. I, this guy clearly thinks he's not—he can't be a third cod behind two stars. He couldn't not Yeah, no, he can't. You can't put him on the Clippers. You can't put him on a contender team, and he could—he just fit in. No, that's just not going to happen. So, in essence, Russell Westbrook's agent was basically calling him out, basically calling him out, saying, "Look, you need to just man up, you know, swallow your pride, go out there, ball out this year, and see what happens." And again, he's a thousand percent right. Russell Westbrook gets traded and gets bought out. His value in this league is that it will be at an all-time low. Like I said, he will be looked upon as like a spare part. Period. He might not. He might. He might be even done. He might even be out the league. But again, I I cause listen. I and I said this a couple months ago on a, a few pot. Well, earlier this season maybe in the fall maybe 6 7 months ago do not be surprised don't be surprised if this is the last year that you see Russell Westwood playing basketball in the NBA cuz i don't i just don't know where considering his mentality i don't know if there's a place for him in the in the in the league considering what the, where the game is going and considering his mentality he does not he does not seem like he's willing he, he does not seem like to take any accountability he does not seem like he's going to evolve anytime soon. He's getting older. He's not. Tiny. He's not. He's getting older. So to me, he's more set in his ways than he's ever been. He's more set in his ways than he's ever been. He's like he's going ten toes down on what he on on, on the type of player that he is. Not going to change for anybody. Now, in regards to this phone call, this alleged phone call that took place between LeBron James, Danp uh, Davis, and Russell Westbrook. Unless that phone call involved them calling out Westbrook or calling out each other, like, "Hey, Anthony, we need you on the floor." Like, yeah, we need you on the floor. We need you to be a dominant top five player. We need you to be an MVP of this team. Russ, you can't turn over You can't be amongst the league leaders in turnovers. You gotta take, You gotta have a better shot selection. You gotta have a better decision making. You gotta play. You gotta at least try to play defense. Unless that conversation took place on that on that phone call, then then what are we talking about here? What are we? This is a classic. Like let's you know, let's make it seem like we're all on the same page, just in case we all you know we all our teammates come you know training camp and come the opening of the season in late October, early November. Uh, don't be no one's fool. No one's fooled by this. I mean, let's, let's be honest. They, like like I said, LeBron James forget, and forget about Anthony Davis for a second. He doesn't have any power within that organization. This is about this is LeBron James. LeBron James does not want Russell Westbrook on the team moving forward. Period. Period. So, you know, uh, as the Lakers turns, as the world, well, as the world turns, at the Lakers turns, this is it's a, it'll be a continual soap opera. Up until the regular season, maybe even throughout the regular season, uh, again, I this I have a feeling that it this is looking more and more like no one's going to be traded. Like Westbrook, Kyrie, Durant, like these guys are not going to be traded anytime soon. Um, getting back to Durant, Kyrie, uh, for a second, it, you know, Durant. There are people around the league, and a couple of general managers on, of course. You know, um, off the record, have said that it's not that the fact that they that they are worried about Durant's age or injuries that that have happened over the past couple of years. It's not that that why the, the reason of why his, his 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 value has is not what you would think it is. It's the fact that they are afraid that they will not be able to keep Kevin Durant happy, and you think and it, it makes. Perfect sense, like yeah, he wasn't happy in Golden State. He wasn't happy, which was which is the best basketball organization in in the world, the best NBA organization, you know, in the league right now. He wasn't happy in Brooklyn, where he got, where he basically had the keys to the kingdom. When he, how can like how can we compete with that? How how are we going to make him happy? What what's going to keep him from from doing to us what he's done to Brooklyn? uh What do you what he's doing to Brooklyn right now, like? Trade like one to trade a year out a year or, or two years into his contract so that that is what you know you're hearing from a lot from a few of these front office people around the league on terms of why the trade market has cooled on kevin durant along with the fact that the Brooklyn Nets are asking for just you know the world in regards to um what they want in return and listen, Toronto. We said it before. Toronto is not giving up Scotty Barnes. Just not. It's not going to happen. And no, and no one else really has. No one else that we've heard mentioned has the capital to even put up a a a respectful a a a deal that that Brooklyn would even look at. Like the teams that have the capital are not are not are not even on the radar. Like Boston has the capital. Uh, Boston, Memphis. Those teams are not have no interest in trading for Kevin Durant. They don't. Golden State thing is a pipe dream. That's not going to happen. I, I just, I just don't see it at all. I don't see Golden State. I don't care what. And by the way, I don't care what was said. Well, Steph would be with it, and you know they are we open to it. Sure, Steph. Steph you know Steph is open, open to. Steph is open to winning. Steph is open to winning. But I don't see a situation where Kevin Durant uh, would want to go back to Golden State. I just, I, I just don't. I uh, just, uh, that, that that to me would just, like I said, I would be beyond, sh- I, I would be actually shocked if that were to happen. I don't think it's going it to happen. And by the way, if you going to state, if I'm going to state, I'm, I'm, I'm just not doing it. I see what I have in these young players that are developing, that are developing. I believe in my own player development. Um, we'll cross the bridge with Draymond and, and Clay Thompson on those decisions in the future. We know Laker Jacob uh, Laker has been talking about. You know he's not going to spend as much money. I'll believe that when I see it. How about that? I will actually believe that when I see it. So it is a it is a distinct possibility that, again that Westwood Kyrie Irving and uh, Durant will be members of Brooklyn and uh, the Los Angeles Lakers when the season starts. Doesn't mean that they will finish there. I'm just saying when the season uh, begins. So over the weekend, the big news in baseball, along with the All-Star break, was uh, Juan Soto, the immensely talented uh, superstar out of Washington um, for the Washington Nationals, who is at 23 years old, one of the best young players in baseball and who is going to get a boatload of money, turns down a $440 million deal um, over 15 years. Now, the reason why he turned it down was simple. There's a couple of reasons why he turned it down. Number one, Scott Boris is his agent. Anybody, anybody, we know Scott Boris, who was the agent for Al Rodriguez, agent for Bryce Harper as well. Scott Boris is going he doesn't just do big contracts. Contracts. He does historic contracts. The Bryce Harper was a historic contract. The Al Rodriguez was a historic contract. So, He's not looking to just be – uh, Boris is too smart for that. And the bottom line is, had Soto signed this contract, he would have only been like 20th all time. It would only, only have ranked him 20th in terms of annual salary per year. He's looking to be – if you're looking at – if you're Juan Soto, you're 23 years old, you're arguably the best young player. No, you are the best young player in baseball. You've already won a championship. There's a guy who already – has three World Series home runs. Think about that. Helped this team win the World Series, 23 years old, and it can hit fast. We we know how talented Juan Soto is. So he's they're looking for like a half a billion dollars in essence in terms of a contract and looking for him to be the highest paid player now in terms of total value of contract, but in terms of annual value of the contract. Normally normally I would say, if I'm the Nationals, I would say no. We cannot make you the highest paid player of all time, um, because you look at the history; it has not turned out well for these franchises that have signed these these mega deals, right? So you look at the top ten contracts of all time. Yeah, Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, Francisco Lindor, Fernando Tatis, Bryce Harper. Giancarlo Stanton, Corey Seager, uh, Gary Cole, Manny Machado, and Alex Rodriguez. Only one of those guys, during over the course of their contract, won a championship with that team, and that was a Rod in twenty two thousand nine Yankees. Remember, Mookie Betts signed his deal after they won the con- they won the World Series in two thousand and twenty. His contract was signed in two thousand twenty one. And it goes from twenty twenty one to twenty to two thousand thirty two at three hundred a total three hundred sixty five million dollars. So history tells us that you don't sign these type guys to these contracts and be able, and, and to be able to build around that team. The key is pitching. We all know that. This is why. This is why I'm going against my own conventional wisdom, and this is why i'm going to tell you why if you're Washington nationals you have to sign juan soto it's not even a question first of all the nationals are three years removed from a world series championship right normally you get a grace period of like five years when you win a championship in sports where a team where your fans people will kind of give you the benefit of the doubt unfortunately that grace period has been kind of wiped away because of the pandemic some of the luster of that championship is kind of unfortunately it's not fair, but this is the way things it just just how life works sometimes, unfortunately, because of the pandemic and because everybody's life changed in march of twenty twenty of twenty twenty people kind of forget that they won that they won a championship in twenty in in the, in that fall of twenty nineteen and they're on to they're they're going be facing now they're gonna be looking at a third straight losing season they are in the midst of a of an ownership change you have a farm system that is near or at the is 29th in baseball so if you don't sign juan soto what exactly are you selling to your fan base why as if, if i'm a washington nationals fan nationals fan would i come to come to the ballpark and by the way you have decreased your own spending as far as your payroll. Like, you're going in the opposite direction. Like, the, the Nationals, um, the Nationals payroll had been, for the most part, since 2014, had been somewhere, had been only outside of the top 10, only twice outside of the top 10 since 2000 and, 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 and and 14. If you 2014, they were 9th, 15, they were 6th, 16 they were 11th 17 they were ninth. 18 they were 5th 19 they were 4th 2020 they were 12th last year they were, they were 9th and this year but this year they're 20th so they're going they're not they're going in the direction of they're not they're not right, right now spending money okay they end up there they rebuilding reload I can even call it reloading. rebuilding they traded off trey turner trade 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 got rid of trey turner and max scherzer we'll see those prospects will, will 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 provide benefits in the future too early right now. But the bottom line is if you're nationals right now, you you have no other choice but to sign Soto because he is all you have. Especially, you know, you're not like the 10 way double raise, temporary excuse me, the temporary raise where you can lose a superstar and then tell your fan base, hey, we have one of the best farm systems and player development. We're gonna be not only not only we can we can create another star, but we're going to be competitive at at, at the same time. Right now, the ten Bay the Ten Bay Rays are leading the wild card race in the in the American League, despite having fifteen players on the uh, on the IR on IR right now. Okay, fifteen, and these are these these are some of their main guys. The Nationals don't have are not don't have that type of luxury because they have they their forces is horrible. And frankly, the player development has has not been good over the past couple of years. So you let him go. Again, you are you are maybe in this town in the DMV. You maybe the you are without question behind the Commanders and Capitals as far as popularity, and you may even be behind. Uh, I would say I can make an argument. You could be behind the DC United, considering they just. Sign wayne rooney to coach wayne rooney to coach him. I, can, I can really make that argument that you that you are fourth amongst the major among amongst the uh four amongst the major sports in, in in uh in this town in the dmv so juan soto is all you have and on top of it if i'm a prospective buyer of a franchise Am I really going to buy a franchise without Juan Soto? How much value does a franchise have without Juan Soto? How much? So I'm going to spend, you know, a billion dollars or so, a billion and some change on a franchise with no centerpiece when I could have one of the biggest stars in all of baseball? So, again, to me, it's an absolute no-brainer. This is a guy again. This is a guy who has gotten off to a historic start in his career. Like he's gotten off to a start that rivals the likes of an of Alex Rodriguez, Ken Griffey Jr., Mike Trout. You know those those type guys. Mickey Mantle. When you look at his numbers, some of the numbers that he's put up before the age of twenty three. Miguel Cabrera is another one I could put up there. This is an absolute no-brainer. You have to sign this guy. You have to sign. Like, you it, – it's uh, – like, I – again, I can't uh, – you cannot trade – you can't trade him. Even this year, you cannot you, – it, it will be a disaster. The Nationals – the Nationals trade this guy. They will be picking up their pieces. They, they'll be done for the next four or five years. They will be in a tank for another four or five years. They will actually set their franchise back. And again, what message are you sending? Okay, let's. So the Nationals have been pretty good in regards to who to pay, who not to pay, right? I remember back in the day when they signed Jason Wirth, Right now they called they called Jason Worth at the back end of his career. He had his best years in Philadelphia. We know this, but that was a big signing from a standpoint of, hey, we are here to compete. We 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 feel like we can compete with some of these big spending teams. We're here to try to win the championships. So I understood it; it made sense. Like the Nationals have been a a a organization that's taken big swings, trading to get Max Scherzer, you know. And they've made listen. They've been they've made some savvy decisions. Like I I agree with I agree with them a thousand percent in letting Bryce Harper go, letting Bryce Harper walk. Like that, that, they won the championship the following year. I know Bryce Harper has won the MVP, has won a MVP since with Philadelphia. And is a very good player, but what has Philadelphia done since Bryce? Since they since they signed Bryce Harper, they, they, they don't have any. they? don't have any playoff appearances. They let uh, Jeremy Rendon go again. Smart move, Jeremy. They, Jeremy Rendon was at the 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 twilight of his career, when they let him go. They got the best out of him. He hasn't done anything with the Angels. Trey Turner, completely disagree with. They should have resigned Trey Turner. So for the most part, the Nationals have made solid decisions when it's come to come to things like things of this nature. This is if they were to let him go, this is a guy, this is a different, this is a different animal here from a standpoint. This this guy is you can't let a 23-year-old Player of this magnitude, with everything that's going on with your franchise, they just can't afford to let... They just can't afford to not resign him. They just can't, as a franchise. Like they need, they need him way more than he needs them. He will get his money regardless. He's going to get somebody's going to give him five hundred million dollars. This is a matter of somewhere, wherever with the team that trades for him, he will get. He's going to get a five hundred million dollars contract somewhere. This is a matter of when and who. But if you again. You let this guy go, even for I don't care if you get the best prospects from whatever organization. And again, if you if you are going to trade him, now is the time. Don't wait next year. Yeah, no, now you do it. You do it right now if you are going to trade him. But again, I don't think they can afford as a for for the sake of their franchise moving forward. You cannot afford to trade Juan Soto. You just can't do it. You cannot. They, they can't do it. It will be a it would be a it would be a franchise changing move it would be in terms of them going in the wrong direction if they were to trade this guy it would be i'm just telling you right now again this goes against what i fundamentally believe in in terms of these large sign these these super mega contracts but this situation is different to me with this guy it's different it's just a considering where the franchise is at considering the, their lack of the, the lack of player development and things that where their farm system considering the town that they're in, the market that they're in, they can't fight. They. they need Juan Soto, period. Period. So we transition to uh, the British Open, of course. We had a, um, another 28-under future star winning the British Open. Um, Cameron Smith tied the record, goes 20-under ties a record of uh of lowest major score lowest score in the major again 28 years old a guy who had who, who you know had his head had a big year won the tour championship joining you know the likes of jack nicholas is the only one to do that and uh just you know was a putt machine in the final round you know sometimes you know i know Rory McElroy took a lot of heat um coming up short again in a major his major drought now goes to eight years He hasn't won a major since the uh since 2014. but i think we got to be fair um sometimes you get beat in sports you know sometimes it's not always about you know choking and coming out small again rory has been an easy punching bag but when you when you go back and look at what rory's done since he won his last major and I. It was just, I, I, again, I've been a guy, again, fair, unfair. I've been a guy that's, that's kind of not worry. McElroy McIlroy, saying that he's wasted, he's wasting his talent, blah, blah, blah. But the bottom line is this. So he's played 30 majors. Rory McIlroy has played 30 majors since 2014. He has 18 top 10 finishes, nine top five finishes. In the history of golf, he's won four majors, remember. He's only one major shy. He's only a master shy of completing the career grand slam, which has only been done by five other players. Only 19 players ever have more majors than Rory McIlroy's four. Only 19. Think about that for a second. So, you know, I can't, you can only knock Rory so much um, to be honest with you. Remember, He's almost a victim of his own early success. He had four majors by the age of 25. And he was a guy, he was the one, the first, he was the first guy people called the next Tiger. People, oh, this guy's going to be the next Tiger because he was winning them so, he was winning majors so fast. Now, ever since then, we've had Jordan Spieth and Brooks Kepka, Kepka uh, be labeled that early because they started winning majors so quick. Uh, kepka has four. Spieth has three. All those majors they've won are within the first couple of years of their of their respective careers. They were winning them so fast, and now now both those guys have have slowed down um, uh, immensely in the last couple years. So McElroy was the first of that ilk, right? He wins um, wins his first major uh, at a young age. Wins wins his fourth major by the game, by the age of twenty five. And I just think it was expected that he would have by like ten majors by now. It's not how golf works, folks. Golf, in terms of competitive competitive balance, golf from is is the talent pool in the golf is as deep as it's ever been. There are more quality players now. It is harder to win a tournament now, more now than ever. Even during the Tiger Woods era, when Tiger was winning, even even the era where you had. The Big Four. Remember, yeah, Tiger. Like it was Tiger, Vijay Singh, Retief Goosen, Phil Mickelson. I'm leaving. It. I'm leaving somebody else out. But those those were announced as the Big Four at one point. This is, this was like in the uh, late '90s, mid 2000s. Nobody won tournaments other than those four or five golfers, as far as at nine, especially at majors. Tiger, Tiger, Retief Goosen. Phil, no Tiger, Goosen, Ernie Els, B.J. Singh, Phil Mickelson, like, but they were dominant. Even with that, even with that, it's even deeper. It's, those are the, those are the golfers that were dominant at the time at up, up top. But you look at now, every year there's a guy that wins one of these majors that's under 30. Uh, that's called, that that people call that say that people say that could be the next great golfer. Like that's happening every year. <laughs> like, like this too. Like, it's almost again. It's almost impi- It's hard to win majors this uh, in, in in PGA on the PGA tour. It's hard to win majors now. It is the field is so deep. Um, so I think you gotta be fair uh, when you talk about Rory McIlroy, and 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 you gotta be really look at what he's done. In terms of his career, like how consistent he's been, um, over the, especially during this, this, this drought, this major drought. Like I said, he has been, is going to be in the top five in terms of rankings. He's going to be in uh, single, he's going to almost be in every major. Look at Roy's, Roy this year, right? To give you a sense. So he finishes, uh, He finished in the top eight of all all four majors this year. Think about what I just said. He finished in the top eight of all four majors this year, including a a runner-up at the Masters, including a third-place finish uh, at the British Open. That is a great year. That is a career year for most golfers, for like 95% of the golfers on tour. But again, when you win early, and often it creates expectations that may be somewhat unrealistic. And i mean again, I believe I mean again, if he continues to play at this level, he's going to win some more majors. Now, is he going to win 10 to the 15 majors? No. No. But could I see Roy McIlroy winning two or three more majors? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Can I see him win another major, a major or two? Yeah, maybe three is too much. But can could? Rory McIlroy considerably win two more majors over the course of his career? One, yes. He's only again, he's only thirty three years old. He's not an old man. He hasn't had a ton of injuries and nothing like that. So, I think you got to be real careful about how you gauge this 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 Rory McIlroy's career. Uh, it doesn't fall in the category of underachieving. Like, there are guys, I, like, Fred couples underachieved for his career in terms of talent. He has one major, he should have more. John Daly has two majors, he should have more. Those are guys, Greg Norman should have more majors. Those are three guys that clearly, as far as their talent and how gifted they were, should have won more majors without question. Rory McElroy is nowhere near that... um nowhere near that list and some will say phil mickelson but i think it's ridiculous to say a guy with six majors underachieved especially coming along in the the tiger woods era i think that's just you want to do phil cough up some majors sure but i can't say a guy with six majors like there are only probably 10 guys that have more majors than phil mickelson all-time underachieved as talented as he is and he's uber talented we know how talented a golfer phil mickelson was on par with Tiger as far as his talent goes. One of the few probably the only golfer that we can say that's ever been on close to even on par in terms of pure talent as Tiger was that we saw. But the bomb but the guy has six majors. So it's like I can't say he, he's underachieved. As far as Tiger goes, um so again another rough outing for Tiger. This year in the majors he played in three. He would with, he withdrew one and he of course he missed the US Open um withdrew the uh we played in played in the masters withdrew pga missed the u s open and, and finishes out in the british Open not making the cut um his highest finish this year in the major was forty seventh in the masters which he you know that's you know his favorite all time course we we know how well he's played over there over the course of his career you gotta says uh, you know it it's almost sad to watch to be honest with you him this this version of tiger woods um his body is just he looks completely shot in terms of his, his body i'm not even talking about terms of his game but just his body he, like if he physically just doesn't have it and he knows he doesn't have it physically and you see him take the, the farewell the walk uh, on 18 and get emotional because he knows he realizes that it probably is gonna be his last time at St. Andrews. St. Andrews. Um he's not saying he he says that he will play in he'll play in future British opens, but it won't, you know, this tournament won't be in St. Andrews again for another, you know, five to six years and he can't just the way he is the way he's feeling physically cannot envision uh his body making it to 50 and 51 in terms of as a professional playing professional golf. That's just all there is to it. We know how close he is to his kids uh, at this stage. we, we So, and again, this is a very prideful individual. Tiger, I can't see Tiger being happy and content with missing the cut and being kind of like looked upon as like a, you know, uh, as kind of like somebody who is a – i don't see tiger wanting the jack nicholas arnold palmer treatment from a standpoint uh, that ended their careers when they were um when people knew they couldn't win tournaments but they was just there to clap along that they were there as kind of like symbolic figures i don't see tiger in that vein being want to be perceived as that moving much for moving uh moving forward in years and like i just can't see it with tiger woods this guy is one of the most competitive athletes ever. I will put his competitive up there with Brady, Michael Jordan, anybody that, that that has dared play a sport. Tiger Woods is right there as far as competitive as a competitor. And again, physically, right now he just doesn't have it physically. He just can't like he, the guy almost lost his leg. We that doesn't even including the back and injuries that he's had just I mean his body is like a mass unit. Like and, and again, you know, he's in he is a you know forty six in golf is not old. like it's, it's really not forty six in golf is not old, unlike all other you know, other sports you would be retired. forty six, you I mean, you could still be at the in your prime at forty six in golf, especially with 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 nutrition and physical fitness at the physical fitness, the way uh, way people are in shape right now uh, in terms of athlete athletes training year round. Tiger Woods is his body is probably his body is probably closer to to sixty, right? Now to be honest with you, he can he can barely walk. It's a struggle for him to walk the um, eighteen holes. Um, I'm sure. I mean, I'll be honest with you, if Tiger was allowed to do a golf cart, I'm sure he would do it. Like if that would, it, I'm sure he probably wouldn't. He might not. Should, he probably wouldn't do that. But it, boy. It is, a, it is a struggle for him to walk him and down the uh, the golf tournament, the golf courses, let alone swing a golf uh, um, a golf club right now. And I, if you told me that Tiger Woods at the how many years, I'll give Tiger I, maybe one more year, maybe next, maybe he tries to rehabilitate his body in this. You know in this little this this break he probably won't play again until november he has this this tournament that he sponsored that he his tournament the, the heroes challenge something like that but uh you told me last year next year will be the tigers last year i i'm like yeah probably because again i don't see again i just don't see a guy who's just going to be content with not being just not even being on the radar Of these tournaments, missing cuts and withdrawing. No, that's not Tiger Woods. That's not who, that's not how he was built. Like, that's just not, that's not his mind, his mental makeup. He's, and like I said, if it's one thing, if he was missing a cut and he was still enjoying it, enjoying playing where it wasn't such a physical challenge, that'd be one thing. But right now, it's like, not only am I not winning and not only am I not even in the, uh, in the mentions of being a contender this hurts so the physical is like this physically is 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 hurting so it'll be interesting to see his career moving forward um again hard i you know you will never bet it's hard to ever bet against tiger woods not winning another major so i'm not going to say that until he actually retires because i didn't i didn't think 2019 was going to happen but again the body you know the body is speaking for itself like one it, thing the body you know your body lets you know when it's time and it's getting close to that time seemingly close to that time uh for tiger to uh to hang him up we'll continue we'll continue our series of wire reflect the wire at 20 reflections of to me the greatest series in television history i just completed season four and the things that a couple of things that stood stood out from number one no um, mcnulty this season uh very well very little mcnulty this season we we it's been well documented that the actor was not happy uh, apparently, you know, with the travel back and forth the first three seasons, and he wanted to explore some other options as as well. Um, in terms of uh, opportunities and what have you, but regards to that, they didn't need Mcnulty. Like season four, they did, like the season, the, the scenes that he were that he was in were kind of like seemingly like eh, okay, uh, uh, yeah, sure. It was kind of like Mcnulty just popping, just having him in the scene, the the scene just just for the sake of being. Like in terms of the plot line, the story, it, they did not need him whatsoever. And it's really, you know. I thought about this too with the actor Dominic Dominic West. So, and only a wire nerd would notice something like this. So, if you notice, every other character's other than Dominic West's character in the opening credits, every other character's name comes in alphabetical order. So, which to me, his name is first because he was considered, I guess, considered the the top. Was considered the star of the show, which I like the star. Of, I mean, you know, the star of the show was Baltimore. Like, there was no star, there was no, uh, there was no star, there was no individual character that was the star of the show. Now, we all have our favorite characters. Like, the most popular character can, you know, I think pound for pound would be Omar if you took a vote, but there was no star of that show. So, you know, but for a listen, good, you know, good for his agent, whoever negotiated. That. I'm sure that was some money that came attached with, with his name coming first in the opening crest whatever. The bottom line is season four did not need him at all. Like season four, like if he was, if he, if, I'll say this, if he had no scenes, scenes in season four, you wouldn't have missed them That's how good season, that's how great season four is was season four of the wire is one that was i think the best season of, of television and the best season in the history of television period uh it's somewhat triggered for me as an educator seeing some of the stuff that took place and you say hey like yeah i can. i've seen i've seen this movie i've seen this before this is this is really how it could it can be also the marlowe but Jamie had the performance as Marlow. This is when this is the season that it really took took shape. Now, season five will be the payoff, and we'll discuss that. Uh, we will discuss that in the next on our next podcast uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, we'll not be doing a pile. We'll be. We'll not be doing a podcast next week but uh we'll discuss that in our next podcast next time about season five because i'll i'll be done by season five is only what 10 episodes so i'll be done by season five by then but season four uh the jamie the jamie hector Marlowe stanfield character if you remember i i was never a fan in the moment of that character it's like what is this dude he doesn't he doesn't hardly speak um he's playing with pigeons like Especially comparing them to Avon. Like Avon out of all the, the drug kingpins and the bad guys, Avon is my favorite bad guy, without question. Because of the, the humanity Avon had and the complexity of of the character, which a lot of the wild characters are are complex. That's what makes part of partially what makes it an all time great show. But uh the Marlowe character, you really if you watch again, just the efficiency and just The acting without saying nothing is a talent in itself. It's a masterclass by 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 Jamie Hector. It really is. Uh, And like this, this this season four, just some of his uh, just the body language of uh, of the character, you appreciate. um, You know, you appreciate this more. You know, twenty years. Well, this was two thousand. You appreciate more. Uh, after you've uh, after watched me watch the show a, a zillion times, which I've had, which I had and I, again I noticed again the char- this very underrated perform- uh, very underrated performance. We people love that i people the character is respected. like people have Marlow, you know this is one of the top villains in television history. So the character the, the writing of the character is respected, but I I, I don't think there's enough respect paid to the actual performance. Jamie Hector is phenomenal. As that character. Like he plays it to a T. And again, you will see you we saw the payoff. He had to be kind of unassuming, he had to be kind of understated, but we saw the payoff in, in what transpired in uh season five. So we will continue uh our wire reflections with the next uh podcast, on our next podcast. Biggest disappointment, this was an easy one. So um over the weekend you saw a video on posted on instagram where uh one of the characters of sesame place sesame street this happened at sesame place which you know i live i literally grew up right down the road from Sesame place in in, in langville pennsylvania um only been there one time in my life for the record so this so this happened this happened uh over the weekend where one of the characters the character uh rosita walked past greeted uh some real couple of white kids and then seemingly ignored you know, and walked past uh two young uh black little two young girls two long little girls who were black who are black and this of course immediately when the parent posted this this immediately uh was you know was uh reacted to by all over the country and by celebrities um uh, all over all over the world so the parent of the young, of the young ladies said that the park in, in immediately dismissed the incident they claimed that the uh the character sometimes the characters are so tall that they couldn't see um couldn't see the young ladies uh they here's um they also say that they will conduct uh, some bias training for their employees. They came out with a statement. So Sesame Place came out with a statement. Uh, come, they've come out with a couple of statements. I'll read them off. We will conduct training for our employees so they better understand, recognize, and deliver an, an inclusive, equitable, and entertaining experience to our guests. The statement read, which was also posted on Instagram, for over 40 years, Sesame Place has worked to uphold the values of respect, inclusion, and belonging, we are committed to doing a better job making children and families feel special, seen, and included when our when they come to our parks. Statement. They came out with another statement today, and I'll pull that up real quick uh, on Instagram. That stated, uh, on okay, here it is. And I won't read the entire thing. I'll read the bottom part of it. The first part of it is the the normal PR uh, mumbo jumbo. The performer portraying the the Rosita character has confirmed that the no hand gesture seen several times in the video was not directed to any specific person. Rather, it was a response to multiple requests for someone in the crowd who asked Rosita to hold their child for a photo, which is not permitted. The Rosita performer did not intentionally ignore the girls and is devastated by the misunderstanding. We spoke to the family and extended our apologies and invited them back for a special meet and greet opportunity with our characters. We apologize to these to these guests for not delivering the experience they expected, and we commit to do our best to earn their and all guests guest visit and support. So OK, and then today. On the Daily Beast, a number of other videos came out where you had characters ignoring African American childrens blatantly. Uh, I saw at least two to three videos. Um, here's the thing, right? So it's unfortunate that first of all, this is something that that's been in 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 embedded in Sessing Place. This this is not a random. Act that just came out the blue. This is something that clearly has had been going on for years upon years. It just never, to me, has had been caught on video. Okay. The parent also, the parent has uh, of the young ladies have has threatened to sue if she's not happy with the actions that something. She's if she's not happy about the the response that something place has, so she has threatened a, a lawsuit. And, right, and rightfully so. And here's what I'll say: so you have a we, especially as African Americans, have an immediate response, an immediate way to kind of combat this. Number one, you want to hit somebody. Forget about again. I'm not knocking the parents at all. I I, I applaud the parent for posting it, posting this video on Instagram, making it. Making us aware of this. So that's but other but you know, other people you yeah, had other people commenting. Cool, you can comment, say this, say this, that, and the third. I'm talking about right now. The best way to hit sesame place is in the pockets. Just don't take your kid, don't, don't so don't take your kids to Sesame, sesame Place, number one. And don't buy any, don't buy any paraphernalia, paraphernalia from Sesame Street and all that. Cut all that off. Okay? Cut all of that off. Hit them in their pockets because this is a hundred million dollar organization. This is their money. This, they, they're on Sesame Street is on HBO Max. They, they, I mean, they, they have money, you know, they can basically in some ways print their own money. So they, they can like, they can deal with the outlet, the backlash of a bad, of, of a bad PR moment or a bad, they can deal with some horrible PR. Because in the society we, that we live in, we'll, we we will be talking about this story for about two days and move on to the next day. What they don't want to deal with and what they can't deal with is is taking money out of their pockets or their stock going down. Because, uh, you know, African American kids families stop taking their kids. And I guarantee you, I like there are a number, a big part of their 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 their, their gate is the black dollar trust me i've been to such like i say I've, I've i've been i've seen what i've seen having uh visited a home a number of times and you know you you know on my way to like the mall that area places i'm going heading in the direction to such place places right there so you can see you can see the people that are there and again there are a lot of african-american um families there that, that support such a place cut that off you cut that off. And so you say to yourself, well, hey, surreal, that is very, uh, that would be very cruel to your child who wants to see these characters and who thinks, whose who's, uh, childhood, setting place is a big part of their childhood. Yes, that would be a, 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 that would be a cruel thing to do. But you know what? As an educator, I'm not a parent, but as a parent, you have to see if you're a parent, any any good parent thinks about the long game, plays the long game as far as when they're raising their kids. As educators, we play the long game. So, and I say that to say, I say that this is a teaching moment for your child, for that, that young, for that lady, for that parent whose daughters went through that. It's an absolute teaching moment in terms of race, in terms of racism, racism. They're gonna to have to be dealing with race because because this is gonna be the first of many racist experiences they have over the course of their lives. This is this is way this is just how it is in society, especially in twenty twenty two. Okay, so you take it as a teacher moment. You say, "Hey, not dealing with Sesame place ever again." They'll be listen. Your kids are gonna be pissed off. They're gonna be hurt in the in the in the in the immediate. They're gonna be hurt and disappointed but in the the long run, it will pay off. It's going to pay off in the long run. And that would be my approach to this. Like I said, this is not a one-off. I don't believe this to be a one-off. I just, they just got caught. It just so happened that they just got caught on video. I, like I said, this is something that I'm sure something is, is, this is something that has happened. It's not the first time that something like this has happened. And again, this is, Like races around our country, it's systemic. So that character, whoever was in that that the Rosita, the Rosita suit, the Rosita, whoever was dressed as Rosita, feels comfortable with greeting white kids and ignoring black kids. That's just—I mean—that's a part that that is something that's just not. I think I think two things can be true. I think it could be it's an individual choice, but I also think it's a part of uh, the culture that's been set. By sesame place like that like, that's a cultural thing you know it, like i mean again you can like if you're at your job right you can be at a job and people could not speak you can say hey this person must be that person must be that they may be assholes or that they just are horrible people or it could be like well i see this seems this tends to go on this more than one person is, is not speaking to me walking past me and not speaking to me so this must be just how this you know this this must be how this culture is in regards to uh this workplace culture like i said both things two things both things can be true from this stand. from that standpoint like i said this is a to me this is a easy fix Uh, it's what I—it's not painless, but it's an easy fix in terms of what the strategy that I would employ if I, if I were the parent of these young ladies. Hey, hey, you know what? All this Sesame Place stuff, you know what? We're done with Sesame Place. I now get if they have Sesame Place toys, I'm not gonna throw. I'm not gonna throw those away. But no, and I will tell them we are no longer supporting Sesame Place in any shape, way, or form. We're not gonna go to the park. We're not gonna buy toys. Um. I would even go as far as hey, not watching it on television. Like you gotta you gotta go if you're gonna go all in, you gotta go ten toes down. Can't be no half measures when it comes like this. And again, I understand again, it's very difficult with younger kids. It's not like with 10 year olds, teenagers, you see these girls seem like they were no older than four or five, five or six. If that if that, they might have been four. They looked they were very young. Uh very young at uh so like I said, five at the they looked five and six ish. But uh, it is something that they, as African-American kids, black kids, are going to have to deal with for the entirety of their lives, in, in, in a sense. So it's a teaching moment. You deal with, you, you, you take the short-term pain for long-term gain. So it's kind like of work, like working out. Short-term pain, long-term gain. Uh, again, but this is, you know, easily the biggest disappointment assessing uh, place should be embarrassed by their their actions and i even i wasn't even happy with the response per se it, like to be honest with you um just not even it, showing you know the apology was weak as far as i'm concerned the statement was weak uh and then, by the way if i were that parent i would probably follow just go on and file a lawsuit for just for principle's sake that's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the real deal podcast. I will have this podcast up uh later on this evening. You'll be able to later on this evening. I hope everybody out there enjoys the rest of their day, the rest of their week. Have a great great uh summer as well. So long.